No need to tell the public. In late 2015, Dr. Joanna Rhodes, an infectious disease expert at Imperial College London, got a panic call from the Royal Brompton Hospital, a British medical center in London. C. auris had taken root there months earlier and the hospital couldn't clear it. We have no idea where it's coming from. We've never heard of it. It's just spread like wildfire, Dr. Rhodes said she was told. She agreed to help the hospital identify the fungus's genetic profile and clean it from rooms. Under her direction, hospital workers used a special device to spray aerosolized hydrogen peroxide around a room used for a patient with Cioris. The theory being that the vapor would scour each nook and cranny. They left the device going for a week. Then they put a settle plate in the middle of the room with a gel at the bottom that would serve as a place for any surviving microbes to grow, Dr. Rhodes said. Only one organism grew back. C. Oris. It was spreading, but word of it was not. The hospital, a specialty lung and heart center that draws wealthy patients from the Middle East and around Europe, alerted the British government and told infected patients but made no public announcement. There was no need to put out a news release during the outbreak, end quote, said Oliver Wilkinson, a spokesman for the hospital. I am currently reading a New York Times article. Let's see what it's dated. April 6, 2019. So we have about 15 months ago, right? This is the emergence of a mysterious infection. The the title of this article is A Mysterious Infection Spanning the Globe in a Climate of Secrecy. The rise of Candida auris embodies a serious and growing public health threat. Drug-resistant germs. This is nothing new. You could check out my previous podcast that I published early today. Um, I am delving a little bit deeper to give more information and to basically uh, validate what I stated earlier. Uh, This has been around for some time. Sea Oris is relatively new. It's definitely frightening and uh, again... How was this obscured by the coronavirus this season? How? I, I don't think... I do think that the two could possibly be related now at this point. It does seem to make sense, but we will see. Last May, an elderly man was admitted to the Brooklyn branch of Mount Sinai Hospital for abdominal surgery. A blood test revealed that he was infected with a newly discovered germ as deadly as it was mysterious. Doctors quickly isolated him in the intensive care unit. The germ, a fungus called Candida auris, preys on people with weakened immune system and is, is quietly spreading across the globe. Sorry, I got a little distracted there because they're calling Candida auris a germ and Technically, that's not correct, but oh, sorry, I'm, I'm tripping up over myself here. Okay, so over the last five years, it has hit a neonatal unit in Venezuela 
swept through a hospital in Spain, forced a prestigious medical center to shut down its intensive care unit, and taken root in India, Pakistan, and South Africa. Now we're talking almost a year and a half ago this article was written. Recently, Sea Oris reached New York, New Jersey, and Illinois, leading the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to add a list of germs, quote-unquote, deemed as urgent threats. The man at Mount Sinai died after 90 days in the hospital, but C. Oris did not. Tests showed it was everywhere in his room, so invasive that the hospital needed special cleaning equipment and had to rip out some of the ceiling and floor tiles to eradicate it. Now, I mentioned in my earlier message that there were plenty of colonized patients and, and rooms that would have areas of colonization of bacteria, but not to this level. I will read this again. The man at Mount Sinai died after 90 days at the hospital. Isn't that interesting that a majority of people who are hospitalized and ventilated died around that time, right? I, I, I see a lot of people, they fought for months, they were on the vent for a month, the coronavirus. You mean to tell me this fungal infection tests showed it was everywhere in this patient's room so invasive that the hospital needed special cleaning cleaning equipment and had to rip out some of the ceiling floor tiles to eradicate it quote everything was positive the walls the bed the doors the curtains the phones the sink the whiteboard the poles the pump these things are not regularly cleaned in emergency rooms, ICUs. We're talking about things that can be touched. So yes, they can be surface cleaned. But the amount that this sea oris can proliferate, remember, it's a mold, it's a fungus. You don't have, as far as I know, MRSA growing, a bacteria growing to that level because it really can't survive that long outside of its host. Whereas C. Oris absolutely can, as evidenced here in this article 15 months ago. Now, do you think 15 months later after this corona stuff, they have this in check? So... The mattress, bed rails, canister holes, window shades, ceiling, everything in the room was positive. C. Oris is so tenacious in part because it is impervious to major antifungal medications, making it a new example of one of the world's most intractable health threats, the rise of drug-resistant infections. For decades, public health experts have warned that the overuse of antibiotics was reducing the effectiveness of drugs that have lengthened lifespans by curing bacterial infections once commonly fatal. But lately, there has been an explosion of resistant fungi as well, adding a new and frightening dimension to a phenomenon that is undermining a pillar of modern medicine. It's an enormous problem said Matthew Fisher, a, a professor of fungal epidemiology at Imperial College London, who was co-author of a recent scientific review 
on the rise of resistant fungi. We depend on being able to treat those patients with antifungals, he said. Simply put, fungi, just like bacteria, are evolving defenses to survive modern medicines. Yet even as world health leaders have pleaded for more resist restraint in prescribing antimicrobial drugs to combat fungi and bacteria, now, world health leaders plead for more restraint in those prescriptions, but not only are those prescriptions for antimicrobial drugs given to humans, they're also given to food. I mean, cattle, uh, I even think that they throw antibiotics in with farmed fish, so your farmed salmon has probably been heavily dosed with quite a few antibiotics uh, before you've consumed it, and then... And, and, essence you will be consuming some metabolites you will be consuming some how would you say um what the salmon consume you consume it's it's just the chain the it's just part of the food chain um the same thing with with livestock they are given antibiotics that's why you see a lot of producers will advertise antibiotic-free and blah, blah, blah. Now, why do they advertise that? You know, these organic or free-range, and they give them, because they give antibiotics out. It's so commonly done. It's such a common practice that there are antibiotic-resistant organisms in water, in streams, in, in in lakes, they've done studies where these superbugs are not just out in the in the hospital. They're they're in freshwater lakes. They're in you know places where they don't belong. Uh, so they're talking about the world health leaders have pleaded for more restraint in prescribing quote unquote antimicrobial drugs to combat bacteria and fungi. Also in the municipal system. People take antibiotics, people take drugs, people take birth control pills, and they metabolize them, and they pee, and they flush them down the toilet. Guess what? That gets recirculated. That comes back to us. You know, depending on the municipal system, they can't really get rid of all that stuff. So, unless you have yourself a pretty high-end filter, uh, you're, you're, every time you run the tap, you're consuming drugs on some kind of level, uh... <laughs> And I'm sure you don't even know about or want to know about. But this is this is all part of the cycle. Also, industrial use and runoff. All these producers of antibiotics. They're, in essence, contaminating the environment. So it's not just people uh, or, or in the healthcare facilities that contribute to the problem. This is also the agricultural industries as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's a widespread problem. And, and this is why we have these monstrous things being unleashed uh into in, into the wild uh it, it, it's it's pretty crazy stuff so let's continue the world health leaders they pleaded for more restraint and in, in prescription of these drugs convening the united nations general assembly in 2016 to manage an emerging crisis uh, emerging crisis gluttonous over, I didn't even, this is my first time reading this article, so here we go. Gluttonous overuse of them in hospitals, clinics, and farming has continued. Yes. Yes, I, I just mentioned that. Resistant germs are often called superbugs, but this is simplistic because they don't typically kill everyone. 
Instead, they are most lethal to people with immature or compromised immune systems, including newborn and the elderly, smokers, diabetics, and people with autoimmune disorders who take steroids that suppress the body's defenses. Scientists say that unless more effective new medicines are developed and unnecessary use of antimicrobial drugs is sharply curbed, risk will spread to healthier populations. A study the British government funded projects that if policies are not put into place to slow the rise of drug resistance, 10 million people could die worldwide of all such infections in 2050, eclipsing the 8 million expected to die that year from cancer. And we're not hearing about any of this. We're hearing about this boogie-ass virus corona, COVID-19, right? Right? Uh, that's killed less than 1% of the population. I don't even know what it's killed globally. I'm, uh, uh, globally, I'm sure it's way less than that. But here they're telling us, in the New York Times article 15 months ago, and, and, and I guarantee you this shit is not under control, that 10 million people worldwide will die from antibiotic-resistant infections. 10 million 30 years from now. And, and, and I think that that's a very conservative estimate. Very conservative. Um, <laughs> I think it's fucking ridiculous that this is all part of the lie. There's, there's definitely, we knew there was something deeper to this corona once we saw these numbers. Uh, the epicenter being in New York, that's the biggest problem what we have in this metro area this is the biggest, one of the biggest areas that we have an issue with Sea Auris. And they're saying that screening people who have traveled abroad is, is one of the methods to try to control the spread. And I'm not going to read that article because it's pretty boring. But, shit. Hold on. That's my AC. So, let's get back to the article. In the United States, 2 million people contract resistant infections annually, and 23,000 die from them, according to the official CDC estimate. That number was based on 2010 figures. More recent estimates from researchers at Washington U University School of Medicine put the death toll at 162,000. Let's read that again. Two, me two million people. As of 2010, two million people contract resistant infections annually and 23,000 die from them. So every year, according to the official CDC estimate, and that number was based on 2010 figures. But according to Washington Re University School of Medicine, as of last year, they put the death toll at 162,000. That's a pretty similar number to uh, uh, the current death toll for coronavirus, oddly enough. I, 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 I have a hard time understanding if corona is so contagious. Why do they have to stick a swab all the way up your nose to the back of your pharynx? 
basically to the base of your skull to get a positive sample. Now, a fungal infection test, I could understand because that would be an ideal place for a fungal infection to grow. Uh, let's continue this article. Worldwide fatalities from resistant infections are estimated at 700,000. So almost a million people a year die from antibiotic resistant infections. And you know, we know, we know that number is only going to continue to increase because the antibiotics aren't getting that. They're not getting stronger. The pathogens are. Antibiotics and antifungals are both essential to combat infections in people, but antibiotics are also used widely to prevent disease in farm animals, and antifungals are also applied to prevent agricultural plants from rotting. Um, wow. Some scientists cite evidence that rampant use of fungicides on crops is contributing to the surge in drug-resistant fungi infecting Americans. That makes sense. Yet as the problem grows, it is little understood by the public, in part because the very existence of resistant infections is often cloaked in secrecy. With bacteria and fungi alike, hospitals and local governments are reluctant to disclose outbreaks for fear of being seen as infection hubs. Even the CDC, under its agreement with states, is not allowed to make public the location or name of hospitals involved in outbreaks. See, but that all changed this year, right? With Corona, all of a sudden they're allowed. You know, Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. Like, all of a sudden, they were they were allowed to make a statement about the locations all across the country, right? They're they, they're naming hospitals: Tampa Hospital, this hospital, that hospital. Oh, the outbreak is the epicenter. Since when? We'll read this again. Hospitals and local governments are reluctant to disclose outbreaks for fear of being seen as infection hubs. Even the CDC, under its agreement with states, is not allowed to make public the location or name of hospitals involved in outbreaks. Now, if the CDC is not allowed to do that, why was it all over the news? This hospital, that hospital, they're having press conferences every day. Oh, corona, corona, corona. But they have, you haven't heard a fucking peep about Candida Auris. And I read that there was a patient, in terms of international screening, this patient that came with the C. Auris. Okay, they mentioned that in the article that I read, right? He came from, uh, I think he was from Kenya, or he traveled. He had like four antibiotic-resistant organisms this man was carrying. And some serious shit. Like, I didn't even mention New Delhi NDM1. That is fucking wild. Like, sorry, nothing personal, but if people have that, those motherfuckers should be quarantined. Because the fatality rate is very high. And, and anybody who gets a post-surgical effect in, in, infection with this NDM1 is going to be fucked. Um, so going back to, to Candida Auris, so we haven't, this is 15 months ago. This is an emerging threat. We did not hear a peep about this during the corona outbreaks. And funny enough, okay, so we're saying April 2019, September, October, and then they had all those quote unquote respiratory issues 
where they were blaming on vapes in the metropolitan area, and then you didn't hear about that anymore. They banned all the flavored vapes, all this bullshit. Some people, again, believe it was Corona. Maybe? Maybe it was Seahorus. Okay, so state governments have, in many cases, declined to publicly share information beyond acknowledging that they have had cases. Yet they were so quick to have press conferences every day about this Corona shit. All the while, the germs are easily spread, carried on hands and equipment inside hospitals, buried on meat and manure fertilized vegetables from farms. Another thing I forgot to mention was with all those antibiotic-resistant organisms, you have MRSA, CRE, VRE, these are nasty bacteria. Nasty, nasty, nasty. And um, they're not confined to the hallowed halls of healthcare facilities. There have been independent studies and tests on, on meat, ground turkey meat products, uh, tested positive for one or more of these antibiotic resistant organisms and, and funny enough I read this maybe about four years ago because I was on a kick where I was going to you know we all go through phases where we're trying to be healthy whatever that's been a lifelong passion for me but there was a while where I, I pursued turkey because it, it was in vogue uh, I, don't, I don't hear too much about turkey now that might be why and uh, I'd say about four years ago, got some ground turkey, made a turkey burger. I'd say about a half hour, hour later, I thought that I was coming down with a cold. I just felt like ill. Um, just malaise. Didn't think anything of it. Go about my business the next day, blah, blah, blah. Come home, do what I have to do. Eat another turkey burger for dinner because I made more than one. Same shit happens. And I don't know if I made the correlation at that time, but eventually it occurred to me that maybe it was the turkey burger and I had a conversation with the sibling. And the sibling confirmed the very same thing because we go to the same supermarket. We didn't consume the specific same meal, but we purchased the same product, which was ground turkey. And the sibling had the same issues. It's like, that's fucking crazy. I'd say within the same week I read this article about the antibiotic resistant organism within these ground products. Anytime you have a ground beef, a ground chicken, a ground pork, you're increasing, your chances of infection is highly increased. Okay, and I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to get into the theory of it. Um, you're better off by purchasing a whole cut of meat, grinding it yourself. Uh, because when you're getting ground stuff, you don't know what you're really getting. And a perfect example being is this highly infectious ground turkey. Now, if I would have been making turkey, I, I wear gloves. So if I would have been shaping my turkey burgers with the bare hands and cut my hands <sighs> with, with antibiotic resistant bacteria positive meat, it could be an ugly scene. I, I took care of a patient one time. This dude was a hot mess. He had this massive blood infection. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it started in his arms. It started in his hands, I guess. It traveled up. He was a butcher. So he must have gotten infected somehow, some way. Maybe something he was dealing with. And he was young. He was young, and this infection got inside his body and uh he didn't make it 
he did not make it and it, it was just crazy that it was just like dude dude it's just like you know dude was just a butcher he was just handling me like what the fuck that's not supposed to kill you but in this day and age it makes perfect sense because this is what we're dealing now this is what we're dealing with now is the age of antibiotic resistance okay so they're saying these germs are easily spread. Yep, they're carried on the hands and equipment inside hospitals, ferried on meat, manure, fertilized vegetables from farms, transported across borders by travelers and exports and imports, and transferred by patients from nursing home to hospital and back. C. auris, which infected the, the man at Mount Sinai, is one of dozens of dangerous bacteria and fungus fungi that have developed resistance. Other prominent strains of the fungus candida, one of the most common causes of bloodstream infections in the hospital, have not developed significant resistance to drugs, but more than 90% of C. auris infections are resistant to at least one drug, and 30% are resistant to two or more drugs. That's a pretty good head start for a year and a half ago. Dr. Lynn Sosa, Connecticut's deputy state epidemiologist, said she, see, yeah, she said she now saw C. auris as the top threat among resistant infections. It's pretty much unbeatable and difficult to identify, she said. Nearly half of patients who contract C. auris die within 90 days, according to the CDC. Nearly half. 50% who contract C or is a 50% fatality rate. Where's all the hysteria and drama about that? Yet the world's experts have not nailed down where it came from in the first place. It is a creature from the Black Lagoon, said Dr. Tom Chiller, who heads the fungal branch at the CDC, which is spearheading a global detective effort to find treatments and stop the spread. It bubbled up and it is now everywhere. So I have a bit of an infographic here. I'm just going to describe to you really quick. Uh, a deadly drug's candida auris is a de deadly drug resistant fungus that is infecting patients in hospitals and nursing homes around the world. The fungus seems to have emerged in several locations at once, not from a single source. So countries with multiple cases of candida auris infection includes Canada, United States, now, they're saying in the United States that we had at least 587 candida auris infections since 2013. That was 15 months ago. I find that hard to believe. Central and South America, Venezuela, Colombia, Europe, France, Britain, Spain, Saudi Arabia, Kenya, South Africa. In South Africa, a genetically distinct strain of candida auris infected at least... 451 patients. It's not a lot between 2012 and 16. India and Pakistan. These two countries have some of the highest case counts in the world. A distinct strain appeared in Pakistan as early as 2008 and in Delhi by 2009. Hmm. Australia, Japan, South Korea, and China. And Russia. No need to tell the public. In late 2015, Dr. Johanna Rhodes, an infectious disease expert at college, Imperial College London, got a panic call from the Royal Brompton Hospital, a British medical center in London. C. auris had not 
had taken root there months earlier and the doctor couldn't clear it. She said, we have no idea where it's coming from. We've never heard of it. It's just spread like wildfire. And then this is where we discussed earlier about how they sprayed the room with hydrogen peroxide. It grew back no matter what. I, I, I don't know why they would use hydrogen peroxide instead of uh, ozone. I believe an ozone generator. The problem with ozone is like you would have to evacuate. You, you can't have anybody, you know, living. You can't even have plants in a room with an ozone generator. But I'm pretty sure, maybe, I could be wrong, I, that supposedly knocks out all fungus and bacteria. But it, it, it's you can't really use them in the hospitals. I, I don't think that would be ideal. But that is a method within the home. This hushed panic is playing out in hospitals around the world. Individual institutions and national, state, and local governments have been reluctant to publicize outbreaks of resistant infections, arguing there is no point in scaring patients or prospective ones. Oh, but coronavirus is so scary. Dr. Syke Shalens, Royal Brompton's infectious disease specialist, found the lack of urgency from the government and hospital in the early stages of the outbreak very, very frustrating. They obviously didn't want to lose reputation, Dr. Shalens said. Shalens, it hadn't impacted our surgical out outcomes, not yet. By the end of June 2016, a scientific paper reported an ongoing outbreak of 50 C. auris cases at Royal Brompton and the hospital took an extraordinary step. It shut down its ICU for 11 days moving intensive care patients to another floor, again with no announcement. Days later, the hospital finally acknowledged to a newspaper that it had a problem. <sighs> Notice how, you know, the hospital, everything shut down. The subway shut down in New York City for quote-unquote cleaning. Would you need, do, you, do we normally need that level of cleaning for a virus? That's droplets? No. No. But we would if it were a fungal infection. So to me, there's definitely some... I don't know. There just seems like there's a couple... I think we got a little bait and switch here, people. Days later, the hospital finally acknowledged to a newspaper that it had a problem. A headline in the Daily Telegraph warned intensive care unit closed after deadly new superbug emerges in the UK. Leader research said... There were eventually 72 total cases, though some patients were only carriers and were not infected by the fungus. Yet the issue remained little known in, internationally, while even an even bigger outbreak had begun in Valencia, Spain, at the 992-bed hospital in the Universitari, uh, whatever, La Fe. There, unbeknown to the public or unaffected patients, 372 people, woof, a third of the patients in this 992-bed hospital were colonized, meaning they had the germ in their body but were not sick with it, not yet, and 85 developed bloodstream infections. A paper in the journal Mycosis reported that 41% of the infected patients died within 30 days. A statement from the hospital said it was not necessarily C. auris that killed them. It is very difficult to discern whether patients die from a pathogen or with it. 
since they are patients with many underlying diseases and in very serious general condition, the statement said. Yeah, God forbid they admit that they died from Sioris because they would be liable. As with Royal Brompton, the hospital in Spain did not make any public announcement. It still has not, of course not. One author of the article in Mycosis, a doctor at the hospital, said in an email that the hospital did not want him to speak to journalists because it is concerned about the public image of the hospital. The secrecy infuriates patient advocates who say people who have a people have a right to know if there is an outbreak so they can decide whether to go to a hospital, particularly when dealing with a non-urgent matter like elective surgery. Interesting. They shut that down. Why the heck are we reading about an outbreak almost a year and a half later? Well, isn't that ironic? I'm reading about an outbreak, an article written about an outbreak, an article written about an outbreak a year and a half later in the middle of a supposedly completely different outbreak. How interesting is that? Why the heck are we reading about an outbreak almost a year and a half later and not have it front page news the day after it happens, said Dr. Kevin Kavanaugh, a physician in Kentucky and board chairman of Health Watch USA. I wonder what these people, what's going on with through their minds through this whole corona madness. Like, were they able to switch gears and be like, okay, the threat, the new threat is corona? Like, were they able to put all of their research and all of what they've been watching with this CRS on the back burner and really think that this? has not or will not come into play you wouldn't tolerate this as a restaurant at a restaurant with a food poisoning outbreak no you wouldn't health officials health officials say that disclosing outbreaks frightens patients about a situation they could do nothing about particularly when the risks are unclear i don't know when you have a 41 percent fatality rate of people who get infected in the bloodstream i would say the risks are pretty fucking clear it's hard enough with these organisms for healthcare providers to wrap their heads around it, said Dr. Anna Yaffe, a former CDC outbreak investigator who dealt with resistant infection outbreaks in Kentucky, in which the hospitals were not publicly disclosed. Quote, it's really impossible to message the public, end quote. But they had no problem telling us all about corona, up and down, how many cases each day. They're still telling us about corona. These people are the biggest bunch of fucking hypocrites right here. Officials in London did alert the CDC to the Royal Brompton outbreak while it was occurring. And the CDC realized it needed to get the word to American hospitals. On June 21st, 2016, the CDC blasted a nationwide warning to hospitals and medical groups and set up email addresses to field queries. Dr. Snigda Vallabhneni a key member of the fungal team, that's such a weird name, expected to get a trickle, maybe a message every month. Instead, within weeks, her inbox exploded. Oof. In the United States, 587 cases pe- of people having contracted CRS have been reported. Concentrations with 309 in New York, 104 in New Jersey, 104 in Illinois, according to the CDC. The symptoms, hmm, fever, aches, and fatigue are seemingly ordinary, but when a person gets infected, particularly someone already unhealthy, 
some commonplace, such commonplace symptoms can be fatal. The earliest known case in the United States involved a woman who arrived at a New York hospital on May 6, 2013, seeking care for respiratory failure. She was 61 and from the United Arab Emirates, and she died a week later after testing positive for the fungus. At the time, the hospital hadn't thought much of it, but three years later, it sent the case to the CDC after re reading the CD agency's June 2016 advisory. So let's read this again. The symptoms of a C. auris infection include fever, aches, and fatigue. She died. Let's see if I could find this. She sought care for respiratory failure. This sounds very similar to something else that we've been locked down and hiding over. I don't think it's really a virus, people. This woman probably was not America's first C. auris patient. She carried a strain different from the South Asian one most common here. It killed a 56-year-old American woman who had traveled to India in March 2017 for elective abdominal surgery, contracted C. auris, and was airlifted back to a hospital in Connecticut that hospital officials will not identify. She was later transferred to a Texas hospital where she died. The germ has spread into long-term care facilities. In Chicago, 50% of the residents at some nursing homes have tested positive for it, the CDC has reported. The fungus can grow on intravenous lines and ventilators. Hello? I mentioned this earlier. I fucking told you. Workers who care for patients infected with C. auris worry for their own safety, as they should. Dr. Matthew McCarthy, who has treated several C. auris patients at Wheel Cornell Medical Center in New York, described experiencing an unusual fear when treating a 30-year-old man. I found myself not wanting to touch the guy, he said. I didn't want to take it from the guy and bring it to someone else. He did his job and thoroughly examined the patient, but said there was an overwhelming feeling of being terrified of accidentally picking it up on a sock or tie or gown makes complete sense it's happened before the role of pesticides as the cdc works to limit the spread of of drug resistant c auris its investigators have been trying to answer the vexing question where in the world did it come from the first time doctors encountered c auris was in the ear of a woman in japan in 2009 it seemed innocuous at the time a cousin of common easily treated fungal infections. Three years later, it appeared an unusual test result in the lab of Dr. Jacques Mies, a microbiologist in the Netherlands, who was analyzing a bloodstream infection in 18 patients from four hospitals in India. Soon, new clusters of C. auris seemed to emerge with each passing months in different parts of the world. The CDC investigators theorized that C. auris started in Asia and spread up across the globe across the globe but when the agency compared the entire gen genome of auris samples from india and pakistan venezuela south africa and japan it found that its origin was not a single place and there was not a single auris strain the genome sequencing showed that there were four distinctive versions of the fungus 
The difference is so profound that they suggested that these strains had diverged thousands of years ago and emerged as resistant pathogens from harmless environmental strains in four different places at the same time. Somehow it made a jump almost seemingly simultaneously and seemed to spread and it is drug resistant, which is really mind boggling, Dr. Vallabha Henny said. And those locations would you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they have widespread agricultural use of antifungals. I mean that would be the smoking gun, but they're not gonna they're not gonna point in that direction. Because somebody would have to incur liability for that. So, but it would be interesting to compare what went on in those four separate locations for this to happen simultaneously. There are different theories as to what happened with C. auris. Dr. Mies, a re a Dutch, the Dutch researcher, said he believed the drug-resistant fungi were developing thanks to heavy use of fungicides on crops, right? Dr. Mies became intrigued by resistant fungi when he heard about the case of a 63-year-old patient in the Netherlands who died in 2005 from a fungus called aspergillus. It proved resistant to a frontline antifungal treatment called itraconazole. That that drug is a virtual copy of the azole pesticides that are used to dust crops the world over and account for more than one-third of all fungicide sales. Fuck. In 2013 paper... Loss pathogens said that it appeared to be no coincidence that the drug-resistant aspergillus was showing up in the environment where the azel fungicides were used. The fungus appeared in twelve different in twelve percent of Dutch soil samples, for example, but also in flower beds, compost, leaves, plants, seed, soil samples, samples of tea gardens, paddy fields, hospital surroundings, and aerial samples of hospitals. Dr. Meese visited the CDC last summer to share research and theorize that the same thing is happening with C. auris, which is also found in the soil. <laughs> in the soil, azoles have created an environment so hostile that the fungi are evolving with resistant strains surviving. This is similar to concerns that resistant bacteria are growing because of excessive use of antibiotics in livestock for health and growth promotion. As with antibiotics in farm animals, azoles are widely used on crops. On everything. Potatoes, beans, wheat, anything you could think of. Tomatoes, onions, the infectious disease specialists who worked on the London outbreak. We are driving this with the use of antifungicides on crops. Dr. Chiller theorizes that C. auris may have benefited from the heavy use of fungicides. His idea is that C. auris actually has existed for thousands of years, hidden in the world's crevices, a not particularly aggressive bug. But as azoles began destroying more prevalent fungi, the opportunity arrived for C. auris to enter the breach, a germ that had the ability to re readily resist fungicides, now suitable for a world in which fungi less able to resist are under attack. The mystery of C. auris' emergence remains unsolved, and its origin seems for the moment to be less important than stopping its spread. Alright, this article is almost over. Bear with me. Resistance and denial. For now, the uncertainty around C. auris has led to a climate of fear and sometimes denial. 
Last spring, Jasmine Cutler, 29, went to visit her 72-year-old father at a hospital in New York City, where he had been admitted because of complications from a surgery the previous month. When she arrived at his room, she discovered that he had been sitting for at least an hour in a recliner in his own feces because no one had come when he had called her for help to use the bathroom. This is typical bullshit that they do in the facilities. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why I had to leave. Uh, because you, you could only do so much for a patient or for multiple patients as one person. But if your peers can't step up to do their jobs, it, it, it just makes it so impossible. And after a while of witnessing this type of behavior and trying to remedy it and trying to rectify it, it, it you just realize that it's just, it's not going to be rectified. This is, this is the type of shit that these people do. Uh, so nobody came to help this man for over an hour and he shit himself because these healthcare workers uh, put their own, I don't know, they, they would rather destroy the dignity of this man or allow this man to not have a dignified stay or experience uh, for their own, you know, fears or whatever. And uh, these are the patients. If the guy did have CRS, let's see why. It became clear to her that the staff was afraid to touch him because a test had shown that he had been carrying CRS. Well, in this case, you know, the, the, the gown, glove, and mask would be ideal. Yes, he could be carrying C-Oris, he could be full of shit, but this is this is what you undertake as a healthcare worker. This is where your sense of duty should kick in. And I'm not trying to be, like, make a pun because a dude was sitting in his duty. Um, yeah, you, you if you can't face somebody, if you can't do your job because you're so afraid, then you probably shouldn't be there. Um, I think that's horrible. You just take precautions to protect yourself and, uh, you know, do the best you can. Quote, I saw doctors and nurses looking in the window of his room. She said, my father's not a guinea pig. You're not going to treat him like a freak show. End quote. He was eventually discharged and told he no longer carried the fungus. But he declined to be named, saying that he feared being associated with the frightening infection. But meanwhile, you know, they're stopping people at the door. Do you have corona? You have corona? Here, get tested for corona, corona, corona. But, you know, the real threat being this candidate, Oris, right? 15 months ago, they were talking about this shit. Now you don't hear a fucking peep. Though, so there's definitely something up with it. This uh, is a whole series, apparently. There are some other articles. Candidate Oris, the fungus nobody wants to talk about. Um, what you need to know about Candida Oris. Let's see how long this message is, because I wasn't trying to make this message too long, but it's 47 minutes already. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to read that article and share it with you, and uh, I'll probably follow up on other articles just to uh, complete the series. So this will be part one of uh, my series of uh, Candida Oris and uh, possible relation to coronavirus. Thanks for sticking with me. I believe I can see the future